Dum Dum Away! Zero, zero, one, one, zero, 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 one, zero, one, zero, one, 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 Welcome to Screen Review Time Warp. I'm Tyson. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. And here is where we talk about the past, present, and future of all things TV and movies. Hello. How's it going? Good. Going well? Yeah, going yeah. well. Fantastic. Going Very real good. well. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Good. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> let's start off. So, we always start this off in the past. Now, Andrew, I'm yes. going to start off with you. Yes. Yours is the furthest into the past. What are you bringing for us today to talk about? I am bringing the saga... If you want to say eight films or seven, one and two, Harry Potter. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a lot whole, of films. The whole entire series. So that's a, that's a, that's that's a, a lot, lot of ground to cover. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to skim through it super quick. So they, they span from 2001 to 2011. Yeah. Now, just in case, again, just in case someone's been living under a rock, <sighs> what is Harry Potter? Give us the, the brief rundown. Harry Potter is the cursed child of a wizard world. His parents were killed by... Uh, he who shall not be named, Lord Voldemort, mm. and uh, he but was he shall not be named. But he was just named. I ain't scared of no ghost. It's two different franchises. Anyway, two different franchises. Anyway, yeah. Um, and he's scarred for life with a lightning bolt on his forehead. Mm. And that's really the premise. And, and he, he's essentially like the the prodigal son, isn't he? Yes, yeah. he's the, pro- he's the yeah. boy who survived. Yeah, yeah, because no one survived against Lord Voldemort, yeah. and this baby did. Yeah, and so and, it's he's yeah. essentially like. Touched by destiny, and yeah. he's going to be everyone, the savior. Kind everyone of thing, in yeah. the wizard world knows who he is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the movie starts with him as a young boy living with his auntie and uncle. Yep. Uh, estranged auntie and uncle. They do not like him. They give him a room under the stairs. He has barely any room. I think to turn room over. is a bit generous. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, they give him a space. Yep. And uh, obviously, he comes of age, and he starts getting these letters to go to a school called Hogwarts School mm. of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Mm. And um. Obviously, he ends up going yeah. after reluctance from his auntie and uncle who try to hide it all from him. Mm. He gets picked up by his esteemed friend, Hagrid, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. dropped him off when he was a baby. And uh, obviously, he starts his journey in the wizarding world, meets his yep. friends, uh, Ron and Hermione. So let's start off by saying Harry Potter is played by Daniel Radcliffe. Mm. That's right. And uh, Hermione, Emma Watson, and uh, Ron Rupert is played Grint. Rupert Grint, which... Yep. I actually didn't know his name until I looked it up before. I was like, what was his name, Well, he hasn't Ron? been in a lot since Harry Potter, to be honest. Like, no, he yeah. hasn't been in a lot mm. since Harry Potter. Um, but yes, yeah, so no, obviously the first book looks at the story of the Philosopher's Stone, yep. which is a... Can you remember what the premise of the Philosopher's Stone was? It, yeah, it um, produces the elixir of life that That's gives it. you immortality. That's right. And um, obviously the stone gets picked up when Harry... Has to go to Hogwarts. He sees the whole interaction and he sees that it ends up in the school. And mm-hmm. obviously, as the story progresses, he finds his way to actually having to find the Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. And he ends up coming face to face with Lord Voldemort again. He's survived somehow on the back of someone else. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. so the idea is, I think it, it gets introduced in the first um, book slash movie that Voldemort didn't actually die. No. He was just kind of... He disappeared. Yeah, he's like semi-dead. Like yeah. his body was destroyed, but his soul still kind of stuck around. And yeah. and there's there's basically there's evil people who still kind of follow, follow him. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it starts off with that he's not like the prodigal son who survived and, you know, everything, but it's still happening. Yeah. And that kind of sets the scene for the rest of it. So yeah, yeah keep going. So yeah, so obviously... That movie ends with, you know, finding the Philosopher's Stone, coming face to face with this person who gave him the scar when he was a young boy. 
And then obviously as the movies progress from one through to seven, he, you know, every time he goes back to school, something bad happens. And obviously Lord Voldemort is at the very heart of it, more or less. That's right. And um, towards the end of this saga, so episode seven, the Half-Blood Prince. I want to make sure I'm getting yes. that right. Half-Blood Prince uh, one, part one and part no, two. Wait, sorry. Is it? Episode seven is the Deathly Hallows. The Deathly Hallows. Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Sorry. Half-Blood see, see I knew I would get six. it wrong. Yeah. Half-Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Half, sorry. Broad. Half-Blood. Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the Deathly yep. Hallows part one and two. It's where it kind of all comes to head. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's Daniel Radcliffe and his esteemed friends. It's like them versus Voldemort's yeah. army, essentially. Yeah. They found out that Voldemort has kind of broken his soul into, was it seven pieces? Horcruxes. Yeah, Horcruxes. Yep. He'd taken parts of his soul so that way he could more or less live forever. So even if he did physically die, a part of him would always still be alive and he could yeah. come back. Which explains why he survived Which when, is why, yeah. in the original part. Anyway, so yeah. they go on a journey to destroy them. And as they're destroying him, he's finding out along the way as well. And he's also becoming stronger and getting his followers back. And it all comes to a head at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Wizardry? (laughs) You want to try that again? (laughs) Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. There There we go. go. That's a tongue twister. Articulation, Andrew. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, yeah, obviously a big battle ensues. And uh, as they destroy the last Horcrux that you think, you find out that Harry Potter himself is actually a Horcrux, and that's, that's what right. his scar is on his face. Mm. And uh, obviously, he has to die. And when he dies, obviously, he comes back to life. And there's a whole other story ensuing there. Mm. But the whole saga is you, wa- you literally watch this boy and his friends grow up through these movies and become actual adults. Yeah. And it's really good. And I can't remember who directed more or less the last four movies David Yates. David Yates. That's, what, that's why young Zach is here. Yeah, I was going to say, young Zach, he's young got it Zach. all. He's got it all. He really, like, you watch the movies from when they started to especially those last movies that David Yates did, exception. They changed a lot in mm. those movies because when they first started, they... They, they have to keep it young. Well, they, well, not even that. They tried to set a kind of theme, mm. um, which didn't really work. It didn't really ground mm. it as well. So it's like everyone's in robes and then there's yeah. all these colors and, and it just didn't feel... Yeah. Kind of, like, I mean, obviously everyone saw it because it was Harry Potter and it was a huge series. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really feel very genuine. So you might notice that the first three films, I think it's the first three. I'd say first two, to be honest. The Maybe it's the two, first two. Three. But one of them, you'll notice that they suddenly are no longer in robes. Mm. They're in regular clothes. It's the third one. Yeah. Third, there you go. Third one. Um, and so, yeah, it was a deliberate intention of trying to um, uh, keep Except it. And they, they had are, a direction change. They are like. all in robes in the very last movie where they all have to come into the Great Hall. Oh, okay. Yep. They're all in robes because that's how Harry Potter comes out with everyone because he's in the same robes as everyone else. So I'm going to... Admit something right Go now. For it. Mm. I love the Harry Potter books. Yes, they yep. came out when I was a child. I was like the target audience. So, yep. for anyone who isn't so quite I, yeah. sure, the the books didn't come out uh, very close to each other. The first kind of three or four, sorry, are kind of aimed at like a primary school age. Yep. and then they get uh, as they were released, they were aimed at that original audience. So mm-hmm. by the time you get to the seventh book, it's actually. You really kind of like, age, uh, yeah. yeah, it's more actually getting into adult fiction where yeah. it's darker themes and um, more, um, not exposition, but like linking back and more yeah. thought provoking and things like that. Mm. Now, I haven't seen past the fifth film. Really? Because I really didn't like the films. Well, <sighs> interesting. <laughs> I think, yep. obviously, the, 
the progression of the books is really reflected well in the movies in the sense that the first two films are very, very like childlike, childlike, yes. very, so many locked off shots, real exposition, um, lots of like, kind of expositional dialogue, no real sense yep. of depth or experimentation with the shots. And yeah. I think the third one touches on it, but I, I think the fourth one is where the films beca- start to become really cinematic. Mm. They yeah. start to really distinguish themselves from the old ones in which they're, experimenting with new things um not only through the plot and the setting but also yeah. um aesthetically through the cameras the editing and stuff yeah. like that you gotta remember yeah. the kids were this was all their first yeah on screen course. and they had to keep it i don't know if they had to keep it simple for the kids but it was their first time acting mm. as well so mm-hmm. i think it was very cut and dry young it was yeah and then as they got older and yeah. had more acting classes and stuff yeah. like you could definitely tell the difference. i think the last well, ones are definitely more enjoyable oh, my yeah. favorite ones um to what is probably watching five to um seven part two Watching yeah, okay. that, watching that block kind of back to back is mm. the most enjoyable because that's when the real kind of central conflict of Harry versus Voldemort, which is yeah. really, really, which um, is the one where he comes, it's Goblet of Fire, is yeah, when, when he, he enters back. the competition, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. still my favorite film when Voldemort comes back, yeah, okay, and that scene where he stands up, yeah, and he's pushing everything back, and yeah, evil, yeah, yeah five evil to and s- creepy, <laughs> five to seven part two, are definitely my favorite, yeah. I'd I'd recommend it, Tyson. Give, yeah, okay. it, give maybe, it another go. Maybe but I watch from... go back. They're a lot more interesting as well. Yeah, I I think it really frustrated me because when the first one when did the first one come out? Two thousand one. So yeah. I yeah. think for me it was kind of like it was young. It was very was, young. Well, not even that. There was lots that was cut out, mm. and there was a lots lots that I think um was kind of simplified. I think you might say. And for me, I was just like, no, this like this is not like Harry Potter is. Even though like the first one's obviously very childlike, or well, yeah. not childlike, but they're very young audience um based it's still i was like you're missing a lot of the the finer details and the yeah. depth um and i think it just frustrated me a little bit that was a true definition of editing to make it a film not to get everything book into it yeah. yeah and so yeah like cutting things down and it used to bug me like whole characters that just weren't that just <laughs> don't exist in the movie universe at all yeah. um and think one of the things that actually so i think I've, i still persevered because my brother and sister um, who I introduced the books to. So a friend introduced me to the books and I was like, we need to read these. Introduced my whole family to it. Um, and they really liked the movies. And so they had them and they were playing them and that. I think one of the things is that in the book, and I think it's number four, I think it's the Goblet of Fire where um, Ron's brothers, the twins, what, Harry and George. Mm-hmm. Is that Harry and George? Yes. I'll say Fred yes. Fred and George. Fred, Fred and, George. and George. There we go. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Um, in the book, them being expelled so, from the school is a monumental scene. Yeah. Like, and just the the visuals you get from reading that is outstanding. And in the movie, yeah, they literally, violent. like, fly in to, like, the on their brooms. They fly into, like, the exam and go, wee, and then fly out. It's, that's episode five. Is it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. My bad. Whoops. That's all anyway, good. Um, that's why I'm here. And you know what? And that was the one I said that I finished on. Mm. So, <laughs> and so for me, I was like, no, like, you're not even trying here. Yeah. This is... and. And look, that might be a small thing, but I was like, eh. yeah. No, they're definitely really enjoyable to watch, as I said, particularly the last couple ones. Because, um, I mean, the actors begin to develop a lot more. Oh, yeah. The story develops oh, yeah. a lot more. The conflict, and it gets darker as well, which is really And good. who is Voldemort? What's that guy's Ralph name? Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes Fiennes. Fiennes Fiennes. Either way, brilliant. Yeah. Mm. His delivery great. on that character oh, was he's an outstanding actor. Mm. One of the yeah. kind of most recognisable and great villain betrayals, I say, of the 21st mm. century. Yeah. He was, Oof, he was... That's a big claim. It, I will back him on that one. Mm, here you go. It very was good. it was very dark, very gritty. Mm. You could tell he was just evil to his absolute core. Yeah. 
you did, you didn't waver from that at all. There was no point where he was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Mm. And they set it they yeah. set it up with big expectations. Oh and yeah, he, and he delivered. Mm. Oh yeah, because you know you don't really you see. You can him tell he enjoyed his time sport. doing it as well. Yeah, ma- look, maybe I do need to go back and watch them again. Then yes, maybe start start at the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. right, I might go then for the past. Yes, please do. So I'm bringing to the table a kind of quirky cult comedy called Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. So, so this <laughs> Tyson loves Pedro. this film. Um, vote for Pedro, please. Um, so this was released in 2004. It was directed and written by Jared Hess. <laughs> so he's a um, kind of an obscure kind of indie film. Yeah, filmmaker. Very, that movie was um, very indie. Yes. Yeah, so it stars John Hedder as Napoleon Dynamite. It also mm-hmm. stars um, Efren Ramirez and um, Aaron Rule. So the setting is in small town Preston, um, in Daho, um, awkward teen Napoleon Dynamite has trouble fitting in. Um, very Huge awkward trouble. team, very massive trouble fitting in. After his grandmother is injured in an accident, his life is made worse when his strangely nostalgic uncle Rico shows up to keep an eye on him. I'm just getting last by reading the synopsis. <laughs> With no safe haven at home or at school, Napoleon befriends a new kid, Pedro, a morose Hispanic boy who speaks little English. Together, the two launch a campaign to run for class president. Now, a bit of a mouthful. This film was a cult classic, I feel like, across the world. Yeah. Very successful in its time because it's very, very quirky, very awkward comedy, very subtle, very it was sleek and different. It was different. When it, it was came a, out. You're like, what the hell? It was is a this? different take on the <laughs> yeah. kind of high school kind of the yeah. overused high school kind of drama piece. Yeah. Um. So now John Hedder, who plays Napoleon Dynamite, think really awkward, does not care about anybody, nor does he want to interact with anybody. Yeah, like the most introvert, awkward. Guy, you I think you're the perfect of. definition of a nerd. High pants, glasses, messy hair, like yeah. afro hair, afro yeah. hair. <laughs> you know, spots on the face. Yeah, awkward, yeah. like always mm. looking down. I mean, the start of the film is when he goes on the bus to school. He has like this little toy figure strapped to <laughs> string, and he throws it out the window of the bus, and he's like dragging it on the road. And this kid's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Whatever I want." Gosh, God, freaking idiot. <laughs> Um, so yeah, why I love it is I think it's um, like a real fresh take on this kind of overused yeah. high school drama. Um, and I will admit it's not to everybody's taste. No. The comedy in here is very quirky, very subtle. Mm. Um, the slapstick is, I think, is quite funny when yeah. it's used. Um, but it's def- not everybody will um, like. It won't, everybody has different taste in comedy, so yeah. I don't think it'll sit. For example, yeah, I hate this movie. Yeah, <laughs> hate is a strong word. That Tyson. is a strong word. It I- is. I made the huge mistake of watching it on my own. You've definitely got to watch it with people. I think as well. Just yeah. any comedy is great when you're watching it with people. Yeah. But go on, Tyson. Yeah. I, I understand why people like it. Like, I get that there is that... There are, like, there's certain things he says and stuff like mm. that. And the way he says it. Like, yeah. for instance... Like, one thing I will definitely say is that um, John Hedder, who plays Napoleon Dynamite, um, he he does that character very well, like his take on it and how and it's similar to other roles he does. Yeah. But even still, like he does that very well. I just, I was like, I don't find this funny. Mm-hmm. I don't think these jokes are funny. I, yeah. Yeah. Cause the humor is not overt. It's very, no, kind it's, of, exactly. And said, it's not, subtle. Yeah. which is why it's weird that it did so well. It is. Because yeah. it is not your standard comedy no. style. It I is think, think- very niche. The way I interpreted this movie, this type of humor is what everyone kind of had inside him, but no one yeah, ever made a movie exactly, like this. Exactly, yeah. Which I think is why you actually surprisingly connect with Napoleon. Yeah. Because, you know, you really, because of his humor, his quirks, even though he's an outsider, you kind of really sympathize and empathize yeah. with him because I'm sure 
maybe at one stage you went through that. Yeah, at one point in your life, you were yeah. like, just, I'm doing whatever I want. Exactly. Gosh. Yeah. And you just like that kind of humor. I'm just, yeah. Everyone's kind of had it. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's, it's weird though, because it's like, I'm just trying to read some of these stats. Like it was this movie, when you look at it, you can see that it's low budget. Like there is. Well, yeah. The budget was 400,000. I'm sorry, $400,000. Yeah. And it made 46 million at the box office. Yeah. I think that's just oh, in the United right. States. That's glo- yeah, just in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Wow. like it domestically. It was huge, like far bigger than anyone mm. thought it would be. John Hedder only got paid one thousand dollars to play Napoleon. That was in his contract. Can you imagine? <laughs> wow, I hope he signed some rules on that. <laughs> well, I'm right. sure he would have. It's, yeah. It was made in two thousand four. Could probably yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's weirdly popular. Vote for Pedro. Tyson just can't do it. You can't yeah, do it, can't, I'm yeah. sorry, I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, to be honest, there's no real kind of narrative arc in this film for any of the characters. Yeah. It's such a loose film. There's no... It's so loose. <laughs> and it's just, it's just kind of... Which I kind of... I was watching it again and I was kind of like, man, these characters don't really go anywhere. It's just... The setup is just excuses for them to kind of like be in these real awkward situations and how they react in them mm. um like full of entertaining memorable scenes for instance an amazing dance scene yeah. um <laughs> to Jim um canned heat um amazing is a strong word yes. for that <laughs> um full Still of memorable me lines memorable yeah. i'd say that <laughs> um but look i love it as a quirky comedy definitely yeah. um give it look if you've seen it um good on you if you haven't seen it give it a Give it a try. See what you think of it. I think yeah. get, get some friends though if you're gonna get watch some it. friends over. Yeah. I, I clearly am in a minority of this. Like the movie, people love this movie. I don't, but clearly <laughs> you haven't said <laughs> no. But it, but it is. Look, it is. It was a cult classic. People yeah. people love it. Yeah. I I would still say go and have a look at it. Yeah, because do it. you do it. I think you will you will quite possibly be surprised. Yeah, and there are, and the other thing as well. Like there's certain things in there that's like will just appeal to everyone. Like, yeah. There are, like, there are funny says, moments. Gosh, like yeah. that everywhere. Like that is that feeding is, that feeding is llama. <laughs> feeding Tina, fat lard. Eat your food. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, your turn, Tyson. What you got for us? Well, speaking of minorities, I'm going to talk of a series that didn't go anywhere. It had one season. It um, petered out. When I wanted to get this, I had to specially order it from the United States because it Whoa. like it doesn't doesn't get made in a PAL region format. Like that's how small it was. Mm. Holy! It's a TV show called The Middleman, mm. and nope. yeah, exactly. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I would be very surprised if anyone knows of it. Yeah. Um, but it look I I really loved it. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but basically mm. the the idea of it is that um essentially there is like a Hang on, I might, I might just read this. So, a struggling artist is recruited by a secret agency to fight against evil forces. Hmm. That's what's got written here. <laughs> um, it's based off a graphic novel series. Okay. Um, and it essentially is like, it focuses around this guy called The Middleman. Mm. And he basically has superiors that say, like, oh, you know, there's you know, this evil that you need to go, or there's aliens, or, you know, there's you know, some fish monster or something like that. Very weird kind of quirky things. Um, when did the first season get released? Oh, yeah, sorry, it's 2008. Okay, what was okay. the style? Was it like sitcom? Was it... it? You would kind of claim it as a comedy sci-fi, comedy drama sci-fi kind of thing. Okay. Um, very overtly slapstick humour. Okay. Um, was it on Fox? Because I would explain yeah, why I got cancelled. You know what? Season, to be honest. <laughs> 
that would be true. Um, I don't actually know where it was on. I was introduced to it by a friend, and um, so and you couldn't get it in Australia. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. Look, okay, so let me try this again. Middleman, he gets assignments. Don't know where from. Who's who is the middleman? Who's the star? The, okay, so yeah, the middle. Uh, Matt Kessler. Matt Kessler. Got a picture. Uh, yep, that guy there. It also the other or well, the main main character is um Natalie Morales. It's probably the only one I know. Who she was also in Parks and Rec as Aziz Ansari's mm. um love interest. That's yes. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's just it's just very silly humor, mm. and it's like like all the tropes of your sci-fi. Uh, sorry, of your superhero style of like someone yeah. doing a monologue and the way I'm going to take over the world is to train monkeys to you know use. <laughs> Tommy guns and kill all the gangsters. Okay, because- so was it trying to kind of make fun and poke fun at yeah, the genre? Yeah, well? very okay. much. Yes, sorry. Yeah, very much making fun of that. Oh, and 8.2. Yeah, this idea of like, we don't know who's telling us to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't know why we're doing it. I'm just the middleman. Gotcha. And that's like the premise. Okay, like, so it sounds like it was going for that very kind of taking a joke and a yeah, jab at it's like yeah, yeah, like guns come from somewhere and, you know, sometimes I have to send things off. I don't know where they come from. I don't know where they go. I'm just the middleman. Gotcha. Okay. And it starts off, it look, I love it. It's yeah. really, really. If you like superhero stuff, I definitely say check it out. Yeah, because it yeah it very much deconstructs that genre into this kind of slapstick, over the top craziness. Yeah, but it was it did not do well at all. Um, well, it only ran for twelve episodes, so it didn't even get a full season order. Oh my! I think definitely that possibly was, was its first because it did actually finish on a kind of season finale ish. Mm. Yeah, well, I they was, probably got the go ahead from whatever studio saying we're going to cancel you oh maybe um but yeah i haven't read the graphic novel series mm-hmm. it's look no, it's good. light-hearted yeah. it's fun it makes fun of the genre it's very silly mm-hmm. i would say definitely good to go yeah, also good. it also has a great cameo from um uh what's his name the guy who's the original hercules oh from kevin sorbo yeah oh, i love he, that show he at one point Supergirl, gets he? he gets revived because he was the middleman <laughs> and his arch nemesis comes back, oh, and so like watching Hercules. On yeah, TV. so like Dude, their main. Same. I used to watch it. Oh, like for instance, they have a um the Ida and they crossed over with Xena. Oh man, that yeah. was sick, eh? So Ida, who is like their um, she's like a android, a cyborg <laughs> kind of thing. Don't know where she came from. <laughs> like it's it's always like there's no explanation for where anyone is. Um, as soon as she hears that this arch nemesis is back, she engages this program to go and wake up this old middleman. And he's got to come out and it's like this vengeance thing. And like the current middleman is like, what are you doing? Like, you're not the middleman. And it's this like tension. And yeah. look, as it, super lighthearted, lots of fun. If you like superhero stuff, definitely try and get your hands on it. I don't know where you could get your hands on it, but- um, The internet. The internet somewhere. Apparently it's on Amazon Video. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, so, um, present. Yeah. Yep. So moving into present now, sticking with superheroes, we're going to be talking about the mighty Thor Ragnarok. Mm. <laughs> Now, again, we're going to stick with a spoiler-free zone for a while, and we'll give you oh, full warning once we get into spoilers. So hard. Chill out, so, we've so all hard seen to it. do spoiler-free. Yeah. <laughs> what are our thoughts? I saw it twice within three days. Wow. Okay. I really need to go see it again. I want to see it again. Yeah. I'm going to put it out there. I think this is possibly my favorite Marvel movie to date. Yep. Mm. They did such a good job. Mm. The director... Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. And I think we should spend a bit of t- bit of time there because mm. this film is so good because of the director. Yes. 
the director yeah. is the key well, to this. Yeah, what I took away from this, I feel like this is very refreshing as a film mm, for Thor yes. and for the cinematic for universe Thor, as yeah. well. So if you don't know who Taika Waititi is, he is a New Zealander. Mm-hmm. He has directed any actually action films as well and yep. writes in films such I think as most um, of his films. He has some sort of cameo. Yeah, he, he does. does yeah. Yep. So there's um, a mockumentary called "What We Do in the Shadows" about three vampires living in Wellington, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. Go give that a watch. It's it's so funny. Um, Hunt for the Wooder People, which came out last year, which is probably his most famous to date. Most yeah. famous film to date. Obviously, yeah. till now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> then he also directed a film called Boy. Yep. Um, that was a bit of more of a personal project. Mm. Um, also set in New Zealand. Um, his, his, his style of films are, he's an indie, he's an indie filmmaker, so yeah. very yep. kind of bare minimal, but lots of real kind of really great timed offbeat quirky comedy. Yeah. Very, New very Zealand improv. Yeah, yeah. Improv. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually very interested to know because, so Australian comedy is very different to American comedy. Very. It's not great. And I feel that the New Zealand comedy is similar in style to Australian, obviously not quite the same, but yeah. similar. Mm. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what the American audience thinks of this film. Yes. They, they loved it. The, and the character he portrays in Thor, they, they, they're the new favorite character. Everyone yeah. loves him. Um, so Taika Waititi, I actually was reading an article about this. The Thor movies were generally regarded as the worst. Yeah, yeah the kind of weak links. They yeah. went very hardcore Shakespearean with yes. him. Very hardcore. Yeah. Very and theatrical. Even Chris Hemsworth said, like, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. Yeah. You know? And I think I even, I think I've said this in a previous episode. I think the only good thing about Thor 2, The Dark World, um, was um, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I think he mm. held that movie together. Well, because yeah. there was really no place for Thor as a character to go after the first film. Because the first film, he's this brash, cocky um, demigod. Oh, no, sorry, not a demigod, he's a god of thunder. Yep. Um, but then, you know, over the course of the film, he kind of grows and realizes that's not who he should be. Shouldn't be this young punk. Well, well he know like he's now he's he's now worthy. Mm. But from there, where is the character left to go? Where is he left mm. to grow? So I think that was the main problem that was facing yeah. them. Mm. So and it's actually. It's interesting because the reason that Marvel gave, um, there's a great article which I might put up in our um, show notes. Um, Marvel gave Taika Waititi this movie because it was so bad. Mm. They were like, the franchise was so bad. Yeah, they were like, fix it. Essentially, not even, they were just like, you know, what's the worst you can do? Yeah. Which I find troubling considering that in order to bring in fresh talent, something needs to be doing really bad. No, but then you look at Hunt for the Wilder People, it did yeah. really well. And then you look at the guy who's directing Black Panther. He did Creed and mm-hmm. those movies before yeah. that. So that's they, they, they did well. So they look, yeah. at, they look at the talent and I think they are saying like, what can you do with this? I think they're looking at how they tell a story and, yeah. how, and how they can kind of um, mm. separate Marvel films from becoming too streamlined and yes. too, um, too, what, what am I looking Factory. Yeah. Like just pump out one after another. Because I think what differentiates this film is because it's so... It is more of a comedy, like it's real offbeat, oh, yeah. but it's really fun. It's really adventurous. Yeah. And um, not that Marvel films aren't, but you can definitely distinguish. Well, really, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy, they, yeah. they kind of aren't. Well, yeah, yeah, you can really distinguish what a Marvel film is. Yeah. How it is. You yes. know, the story beats, the way it's interconnected. They're yeah. all very the same kind of, um, same sort of structure with this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So you go. But this is like his, Taika Waititi, I think I read some statistics like this is, the biggest film he's ever done. It's like something stupid, like a hundred times more expensive than 
any film he's ever done. Wouldn't surprise me. Like yeah. it's this is obviously a big AAA title, the whole Marvel, movie was Disney, more or less everything. CGI. And yeah, and the the last one, like his biggest one, as I said, until Thor was Hunt for the Wilder People, which was fairly low budget. Yeah, Ten million. million. Yeah. Yeah, for an and film, and yeah. do we know what Thor was? Do we have the stats of how much that cost? No, but I'm going to assume a lot because of all the CGI. Yeah, I'm going I would to say 200 plus million. Yeah, yeah, it's probably. Which is the most? He was. Yeah. De- you could definitely tell he was a kid in a candy store. Yeah, <laughs> especially the fact that he would put on his own little CGI suit and yeah. play with it. You yeah, know? and his his character is very very funny. Oh, yeah, so good. But what's good is that um the writing here for the story is actually mm. particularly very strong. Mm. And what Marvel's great at doing as well is um I touched on the spoiler, but they really seem to take quite a bit from some of their greatest comic stories and mm. meld them together. For yeah. instance, Planet Hulk and Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they put a new spin on it. Yeah. They put a very new spin on it. Yeah. Um, well, you we got to take with the Marvel Universe. It's, exactly. It's, it's loosely mm. based on what yeah. that you read in the comics, but mm. on the other hand, it's nothing like it but at all. But now they need to start, because they've got obviously this big whole canon, they're trying to blaze their, new, their, yeah. their own way. And I think Thor Ragnarok is very much a reboot of the Thor character. Yeah, it is, yeah. But in such a welcome way. Mm. Like, if you think about... I know, if you, if you guys think for a moment, think about Thor in Thor 1 and 2, mm-hmm. and then think about him in Thor Ragnarok, he's very different. Yeah. Mm. Like, a huge gear shift. Yeah. But I think that it was needed, or possibly that we're so happy with it, it doesn't feel like it's a betrayal to the character, even though it is a fundamental change in his character. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. He needed it. He was a bit of a, that stale piece of bread. In, yeah. In, even in the Avengers movies, you know, it was just like, he's here, he's one of the big muscles, but he doesn't have much to add mm. to mm. the conversation. That was yeah. always left to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, which they do by taking his hammer away, like, in straight away. Yeah, yeah. straight away. Yep. Yeah. I was just going to say, the acting in this film is pretty solid all around, mm. I feel yeah. like. Yeah, very good. Even obscure characters like Carl Urban as the executioner. Mm. Um, I just, it was just Elba as Heimdall. Elba, yep. they're, um, they're all just really well acted. Tessa Thompson yeah. as I, well as I Valkyrie. I was just about to say, Tessa, Tessa Thompson, Thompson who plays Valkyrie, is brilliant. Like, she's she's very, very, very good. Kate, Kate Blanchett was amazing. She was <laughs> I, so good. She was very, very good. I read this. It was nice very... to have a Marvel villain character that was actually written well. Mm. And do you know what, actually? One thing that, um, in our very first episode, I actually misquoted what the Bechdel test was, but this idea of like female antagonists and um, villains and stuff like that and how that kind of work. One thing that is very refreshing about Kate Blanchett's villain character is that she, she is a woman mm-hmm. who is a villain who is not using her sexuality to try and influence people. Yeah. She is just evil. And if you, people are following yeah. her because she's scared, not because, sorry, mm-hmm. because she's scary. They are scared. Not because she's, you know, being seductive or anything like that. You know, the only reason she took the role was because yeah. her kids read yeah, that's comic right. books. And you yeah. know what? I, I read this thing. Her, I think it was one of her sons who said that she should take this role because it would be, quote, a boost to her career. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just insane if you yeah. know, of, like, Kate you know, Blanchett, yeah. the queen of acting. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. She's funny. like the new Meryl Streep. Like, she, it's just, <laughs> this will be a boost to your career. Like... No, it won't, because you're, like, really, she's kind of above this. Like, yeah. she's very, Definitely. yeah. But you can, t- you mm. can tell every single actor and character, they, they were having so much fun yeah. making yeah. that movie. Which is what this film is. It's so, 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 so much fun. It is an start absolute magic trick from start oh, to finish. They, really they said 80% of it was at least improv Yeah. Which is, you know, 
I, that's crazy. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> or considering how well, um, how well the conversations bounce off each other, it seems like they've been scripted and blocked and everything like yeah. that. To seem like it's eighty percent improv, that's crazy. Or she just shows the talent of the actors and Taika yeah. as the director. I. Oh, sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say, just talking a bit more of Taika Waititi. I really want to, I really want to focus for a second on, I, I really appreciate him because he's come in. He's so Thor Ragnarok was shot in Sydney. That uh, Sydney? It was, was shot in Australia. It was um, shot. Yeah, it was shot in Queensland. Queensland. There you go. Sorry. Yeah, of course, that's right. Um, now Taika Waititi has kind of made a couple of headlines, partly because Thor is so good, but partly because how he's kind of done it now. One of the first headlines, I remember reading this a year ago, maybe, um, is that he said that he was going to hire basically wherever he could indigenous cast and crew. Mm. Yep. Cool. Um, which is... Of New Zealand and of... Um, yeah, of, of New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. So one thing, for instance, all the water that was supplied on set was supplied by an indigenous, um, uh, an indigenous company. Now, they... One thing, I'm not sure if you realize this, Tessa Thompson's ship is the... I'm going to say this wrong for anyone who's actually from New Zealand. The Maori colors mm-hmm. and the uh, um, Jeff Goldblum's like he's great. He's so good. He's just Jeff Goldblum, but that's yeah. Good. yeah. yeah. Um, his ship that they um, the gold one. Yeah, it's well, it's it's actually Aboriginal colors of the Aboriginal flag. Yeah, it's um, red, red, black, and yellow. Yeah, and he basically he has this mentality. He's been asked about this, and he says. I want, to, like, if the money is coming into this country, it should actually go into the people of this country. It shouldn't mm. go to off-site things. And yeah. so that's why... Or big corporations. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that mentality that I'm like, you know what? Like, everything you see about him, he just He's genuinely comes yeah. out as a really good quality human being. Yeah. Mm. And please, like, give him every other movie. He yeah. was, he He's clearly proven now that he can direct a large-scale AAA mm. title and do it well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just very good quality guy. Mm. Should we get into um, some spoilers now? Yes. Yeah, so let's. we are now getting into spoiler territory, so if you haven't seen this yet and you want to, turn off and come back once you have. Yep, go watch it. Come back. All right. So while I did think Kate Blanchett was good as Hella, I thought at the start she was a little bit expository in her dialogue. Yes, I will agree with that. I am from this dimension and I am angry because of this, because this happened ages ago. It was just like... Yeah. You needed that though, because in all the other movies, there was no mention of her. Yeah. So it it was never once hinted that she was another daughter of... Yeah. Of of Odin. Odin. Yeah. Which which I can kind of see past, obviously, because um, you need that exposition to set up her character motivations in a conflict. Because when she was first kind of... Coming to Asgard to destroy it, I'm like, well, what? Are, what are her motives? Like, why is she doing this? Except for the yeah. fact that she's like expelled and that's mentioned. But yeah, yeah. Look, that's what I just thought. Just quietly, mm-hmm. it's when she got into the the grand hall and took mm-hmm. down the roof and showed the yeah. original story. That yeah. was cool. Th- yeah. That explained a lot more. Yeah. As opposed to her just saying it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, just your. Work oh, you know, she totally it. owned. Yeah. Like she was great, great villain. Mm-hmm. Really, and she'll really come, she'll villain. be back as well. She'll be back. And the Do fact when, when oh, she yeah. stopped Mjolnir straight away and just snapped sure. it with her hand. Because yeah. like, oh! the whole Infinity War comic is based on Thanos trying to please Hela. No, pre, pre, well, this is, death. Yeah, this is one death. of the not, conversations not going around. Yeah. But, but, she, but Hela is the goddess of death, though, isn't she? But Hela, in the original Hela, comics, they yeah. are two different two characters. Uh, Hela is so the goddess of death for Asgard, that whole mythology. Yeah. And then death is 
Yeah. Disregard that comment. Well, well no, no. Some people are <laughs> thinking that it is that they speculate. are going to be the same character. Well, yeah. they so, probably will be, to be honest. Well, and look, you know what? That'd be great. And what this is what Marvel does well is that. But do you think she died? Do you think she died in the end of the movie? No, she didn't die. She's death, bro. How yeah. Can, how but she, but she draws. Died. She draws her strength from Asgard, and Asgard fell. Yeah, nah, she's life, bro. They'll find some. They'll some. They'll look, if some if they want to bring her back, they will. They will. Like, That's true. Um, but find a way. Again, coming back to that thing that Marvel really knows how to um, change things up to make sure they don't become streamlined, to make sure they don't become cookie cutter factory. Yeah. Which is really evident in a massive spoiler where Thor actually loses his eye. He gets mm. um, his eye scarred by which Hela. They tricked me with the trailers. Though. I know. Yeah, I was they thinking did. They did, a, they did a great job of protecting that. Um, and you know that he's the fact that Molnir was never. The source of his power, it was a way for him to control and amplify his God of Thunder mm. powers, which I re- mm. thought was really good. Yeah, that was a really well, smart. Well, it's bringing the character into new dimensions, which haven't been explored in the comics. Mm. Yeah. And again, the cinematic universe, it's it's fresh. So the fans won't expect all the things from the comics, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. you're, you're expecting new things and new expectations. So you, you honestly don't know what, it, what will happen next. Mm. And it saves stuff from becoming just like, oh, this superhero movie is about this comic. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Because if you think about it, the actual Thor Ragnarok comic is actually about a clone, uh, a clone of Thor who comes to Ragnarok mm. to destroy Asgard. Mm. But there's no mention of a clone in here at all. It's the whole yeah. thing about Ragnarok is that's the end of days for Asgard. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing is like, in terms of like changing it up, like, so Odin dies. Odin dies. Very quickly. Uh, yep. Thor's, uh, well, three of the four companions. The um, the woman who plays Sif, whose name I can't remember off the top of my Jamie head. Jamie Alexander. Yeah, so she's not in it. That was a scheduling conflict. But the other three... Just killed dead. Like, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yep, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> so it was... Warriors 3, that's yeah, it. Yeah, big change. Asgard, the location gets mm. destroyed. Yeah. Mm. So it's... They've totally just taken Thor and gone, yep, something different. Yeah. Yep. Go. Um, Which mm. is great, as yeah. we discussed. Yeah, it's what, yeah. It's what needs to happen. And so. Chris exactly. Hemsworth has said that his... Love a little eye patch is coming mm. into Avengers, which is cool. I like how it's that kind of Odin. Yeah. Like he's yeah, now the yeah, king very, of Asgard. Yeah, at the end. It's very Odin. Like yeah. that's what would happen. I think it's also even evident of like the change. Like this is a subtle thing, but um, I someone brought it up. They didn't need to cut his hair at all. They didn't. Like well. there was no reason. Mm. That was probably a, that was probably a personal choice. Well, it even signifies that he's, he's different, different now. Yeah. It's someone new. Mm. Um. Mm. Very, very good. Very good. Anything else you guys want to mention? Talk about Hulk. Mm. Mm. Hulk. That Bruce Banner was Hulk for two years and saying that normally when he would turn into the Hulk, felt like they were both in control Mm. and that now he felt he was thrown in the back of the car and locked away in the trunk and he couldn't get out. And that Hulk was in control. And he was scared if I turned back into Hulk once he finally changed back. He'll never come back. He'll never come back. Mm. Which sets up an interesting character arc for him in Infinity War and beyond. Yeah. The way he changes the last time. Like, you know who I am. Jumps. (laughs) And just falls flat. (laughs) Just like like a sack of potatoes on the Bifrost. (laughs) Yeah. So, so funny. funny. Yeah, and Taika Waititi's character Korg, Korg. the rock monster. Man, so good. So funny. With all the rock, paper, scissor jokes. Like, he's... He was defeated because he didn't print enough pamphlets, which is paper. And yeah. He's a rock. And then he, he accidentally <laughs> steps on the guy who's scissors because rock beats scissors. And yeah. like, oh. Oh, so, it's oh just hey, that, Yeah. Do it's you want to come with that us real on the Mary, ship? Mary, like, bodyguard. Like, oh, so, so funny. So good. funny. So, yeah, so funny. Really I did good. actually see something online. It was like people are trying to start a petition so that he can be in Infinity War because <laughs> awesome. I loved his character so much. Yeah, they should. They will. They'll, they'll squeeze him in somehow. Yeah. They yeah. Will, definitely. I also want to um, mention uh, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, Tessa Thompson as yeah. well mm-hmm. as yep. Valkyrie. Yep. 
Um, now I'm not super up on the Thor uh, characters in the comics and that, mm. but apparently Valkyrie, the character in the series, is like a blonde white blonde bombshell. woman who's um, who becomes infa- Thor. infatuated with Thor. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. in this one, she is obviously a Valkyrie. woman of color. Yeah, and there was a pa- now I don't know how true this is, but I've read some things online that apparently you know that that scene of the Valkyries where Hela mm-hmm. is attacking mm-hmm. them. Yeah, apparently there was supposed to be something else within there that insinuated that Tessa Thompson's character, Valkyrie, was a lesbian with the blonde girl who jumped in front of her. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, So they were in love. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Now, look, I don't know how true that is. I've done, like, I've done a little Mm. bit of research and I've seen it around, but I don't know how exactly true it is. Mm. But to be honest, does it really matter? Well, you see, I think it gets back to this idea of, like, um, women in films and how they're portrayed. It does because one of the refreshing things about Valkyrie is that she's not infatuated with Thor. Thor mm. isn't the solution to all her problems. He yeah. actually goes, I have a problem. Wait, you're my solution. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is which is like it's very refreshing to see and it's an unfortunate thing that it's not as common in that. Like it's far more common that the main female character is there for the main male character. Yeah. Like as a development. But you of that. could tell throughout the movie certain glances and stuff towards Thor. She was looking at him in a different light. Yeah, but I'm I'm so but not like, what I'm that that's what like, I'm saying know, is if she was in love with this said person of the other Valkyries, yeah. she was a, a lesbian yep. per se, if they kept that scene in there and then she started to change towards Thor. Yeah. It's just a different, interesting dynamic and in yeah. how her heart's changed and she can I, find love anywhere. She was a strong yeah, character, I, though, overall. Yeah. Like, um, her character, like, her has been an, an alcoholic and just because yeah. of... <laughs> You've got to, like, finish this drink. Yeah. But, <laughs> God, well. Yeah. Totally understandable, though, of what she went through and yeah. just, as I said, yeah. all the characters is just solid. Yeah. Solid. Mm-hmm. Very well written. And, and, Thor, was, and Thor awesome turning well. around to her and saying, I used to want to be one of you. When yeah. I was younger, that was cool. Oh, <laughs> I just want to be that, except that I found out that they were all women, you know. But you know, it's good. Good yeah. as a good as an all female fighting force, you know. Yeah. It's about time. So. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston That's did so well funny. as well again as Loki. Oh, oh he just, every time well. he just nails nails it. Yeah. Oh, how good was the Matt Damon cameo? Oh, as, so good. Like, yes, so Matt Damon. It took you Matt ages Damon. to figure out who I didn't it was. Re- I didn't see it at all. I didn't realize it. I was like, Matt, Damon Matt Damon is Loki. Matt Damon plays the actor who plays Loki in yeah. this like little stage play. And Chris um, Hemsworth's brother plays yeah, him Luke as Thor. Hemsworth yeah. plays him. The lesser known Hemsworth. As <laughs> yes. And then Sam Neill appears as like Odin. Odin. <laughs> and he's so, like, what? And they literally just yeah. appear and go. Yeah. That's yeah. it. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, that's just... Yeah, the yeah, only person that didn't show up in that movie from Hunt of the Wilder People was the kid. Yeah. yeah. Julie, but that, that kid's going to be in Deadpool 2. Yeah, he's, yes. he's shooting yeah. Deadpool 2 right yeah. now. Yeah. Also, um, they wrapped, but yeah. I think they set up this movie so well at the very start where he's like, mm. I know what you're thinking. And it's like, you think that Thor's being really expositional about, like, and yeah. he's looking back on this journey. It's, no, it's, talk- it's him talking to a skeleton in the yeah, cage. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, it sets it up straight away of like, oh, I know the tone of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Never take yourself too seriously at all. It's, it is yeah. so, good. so good. Yeah. Look, some of the more serious moments I feel like were hindered by some jokes, I feel like. Do you reckon, like, the, you know, when Asgard um, explodes at the end and he's like, oh, at least you got a solid foundation to build upon a new race. And then, it, like, it blows up. It's like, oh, there oh, goes no, your foundation. No, no, those foundations are stuffed. Yeah, they're stuffed, um, yeah. I enjoyed yeah, it. Just because I, I, I love the Kiwi accent. I think they're 
Hilarious. Or just, just, or just even just some of the more serious moments. Mm. I don't know. I just think I look. I think it was punctuated by humor, but I, I don't think that it took away from the, yeah. the mm. levity of the situation. Mm. An example, um, that I think is that when uh, Thor and Loki are in the elevator, yeah, and he gets that. up there and Loki's like, yeah, there was nothing funny he's like, about oh, that. Oh, you know, I, yeah. you know, maybe I stay here, and he's like, oh yeah, you, you do well here. He's like, is that how little you think of me? And Thor's like brother i thought i think the world of you yeah and they have this very serious and they moment have this realization there and, that they're both yeah their paths are no longer and he's like same. yeah he's like we divert our paths diver- was it like our paths diverged long ago long yeah. ago but, but you know it took me till now to exactly yeah. it's like you know but i still think you're he essentially says that he thinks the world of him and he loves him and he's he thinks he can be great mm. which i think and i really hope I think that's going to set Loki up to have a really redemptive story in Do Infinity War. Do you think he's going to die? I well, I did. I die. did hear this. Mm. I've there's a theory by uh, Kevin Smith put forward this theory of like the ultimate redemption of like mm. he does the right thing. Yeah, Loki comes in, and considering he was the main villain in Avengers, first Avengers yeah. it would be a big completion yeah. kind mm. of circle. Yeah. Um, but maybe. We'll, but but then they get to the end of this big serious scene in the elevator. Mm. And he's like. Let's do get help. Yeah. No, I'm not doing get help. No, I don't want to no, do that. Lots of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, no, overall thoughts. Enjoyed it. Wonderful. So good. I enjoyed it. it I was need good. to see it again. Yeah. It's okay. very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know who we haven't sp- spoken about at the moment? Jeff Goldblum. Oh, well, Jeff Goldblum's just Jeff Goldblum. So he's, I feel like there's nothing just else. Jeff to Goldblum in glitter. He's <laughs> that whole so that scene where Thor's um, taken on this like um, the introduction to the to the planet, and there's the yeah. Willy yeah. Wonka music playing in the yeah. background <laughs> while he's taken on this like real colorful. Gen- it's like that. It's like the boat scene. Yeah, because all these like weird colors at all at once and yeah. the weird editing it was cool. Yeah. Follow. I just think Jeff Goldblum, mm. Jeff Goldblum, in every film. I just like him behind the DJ booth, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so funny. He is a he is a staple of that movie, and he's brilliant in it. The very, mel- very the funny. melty stick. Yeah, yeah. He just. Um, last thing I very quickly want to touch on is the visual effects. Oh, sorry, uh, not vi- well visual effects, but the visual style of the yes. movie. Um, very, very good. I was actually reading in again a refresh. Sorry, again like a refresh. Yes, for yeah. the franchise. Um. One thing in particular is it's very colourful because oh, uh, yeah. I was reading this article and Taika Waititi was saying that they drew lots of inspiration from the original um, comics like of by, Thor. By Jack Kirby and stuff yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, from yeah, Kirby yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Well, and Kirby's the, so bright. Exactly. Ridiculous. And so when you you see that when they're on Sakaar, the planet, the like trash planet, it's very bright, very colourful, very blue, bold colours. Yes, exactly. Um, so that is very, very good. And mm. the other thing is, I don't know if you realise that, that's going back to that scene with the Valkyries. Yeah. That was actually the very first time that lighting has ever been used in a film. Huh. What do you mean? That lighting like the So real... if you, you if you might notice if you go back and see it again, the lighting is actually spinning around them in a circle. You yeah. look you see all the shadows are turning around. Yeah. It's basically it was actually developed by Taika Waititi's high school friends. Okay. Wow. And this is the first time they've ever used it in a film, brand new so that was technology. Really really exactly. And really the way basically the way again. they do it, think kind of like bullet time. They have a, essentially like a ring of strobe lights. Yeah, okay. Um, and they all essentially are going off one at a time around and they shoot it with a um, a camera that can shoot at 1,200 frames a second. Okay. For anyone who's listening at home, films are normally done at 24 frames a second and TV is either 50 or 60 frames a second, depending on where you live. Yeah. Um, so 1,200, very fast. And what it means is that as you are watching it, you've basically got these this light appearing from, like going in a circle 360 and the shadows move around like that. It makes okay. a very, very dramatic yeah. um, scene, very kind of uh, ethereal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very first time. And it, I think it looks stunning. Yeah, Absolutely it, looked, stunning. it was really, really set it apart. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
Right. Coolio. Future. Future to the future. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that was Thor. If you haven't seen it, Go do it. It's it. incredible. Okay, so I'm going to start off with uh, the future here. I want to talk about a movie that has only recently come to my attention. It's called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm. Now, I the reason I'm very interested in this movie is it's actually uh, written and directed by Matt. Uh, sorry, Martin McDonough. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, he made a film a few years ago, which I loved, called Seven Psychopaths. He also yes. made In Bruges as well. I haven't seen that one. Okay. But just, just for the audience yes. as well. Just yes. Um, so this story basically centers around a, um, a woman whose name is Mildred, played by um, Frances McDormand. Thank you, Frances McDormand. Um, and her daughter was brutally killed mm. and the police haven't Done found anything. it. Well, no, they, they've kind of like investigated, but nothing's come up and they haven't made any arrests. Yeah. So she basically hires the advertising space of three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, and essentially has put up these messages that are like completely slamming the police. Oh my goodness. And how they're like useless and mm. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, now, the style of this filmmaker is very, very dark yeah, humor. I was going to say real dark humor. Dark humor. Yeah. Like it's like, so Seven Psychopaths, it's very meta, but it's mm. like people like dying and being murdered mm, all over the place. Yeah. But like the central crux is they stole some guy's dog. No. They stole a mob boss's dog. Yes. <laughs> um, this does look a tad more serious though. This, yes. Yeah. I was about to say that. This yeah. does look very serious. I think it's going to touch on more themes of, um, about, well, really like holding people responsible and, yeah. and you know, mm. justice and things yeah. like that. Um, but it does look very, very funny. It um, has a stellar cast. It has uh, Woody Harrelson in there as well and uh, Sam Rockwell, both oh, who were in um, Seven Psychopaths yeah. as well. Um, it's getting rave reviews as well from the, yeah. from the um, film festival circuit. Yeah, it looks... Look, his films are not... Especially if... Look, I've only seen one of them. So, okay, I'm talking from a very limited experience. But Seven Psychopaths is very... It's not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. Very, niche. as I said, dark humor, niche. Yeah. But I think... This looks very, very funny. Mm. Looks very interesting. Mm. Um, I'm very excited to see what he does with it because yeah. I thought that Seven Psychopaths was just an absolute it uh, was breath good. of fresh air. Mm. I haven't seen it, so got uh, a lot of time right now, so I'll definitely hit it up. Mm, I would. I've got it on Blu-ray. I should. Uh, oh, yeah. I should yeah. lend it to. You. But yeah, so that's yeah. look. I don't know much more apart from that, except yeah. that it, the trailer looks outstanding. It does. As a very dark, very comic. Has a lot of swearing, so yeah. if you have young ears, definitely do not watch the trailer around them. I read an article that was interesting that some people are um, boycotting it from awards consideration because of some of the dark themes in the movie. Apparently, oh, oh okay, it interesting. deals with some heavy um, subject. I just thought that was really interesting. And yeah, why yeah, they would wow. do that, but look, maybe read into that a little bit more. Yeah, okay, interesting. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, you're all done, Tyson. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty short for me. Yep. Yep. Oh, all right. So what it. I'm talking about. Sorry for the deep volume there. As I'm talking about. Um, the new HBO Watchmen series. Interesting. So this is a bit of old mm. news. It's not brand new. Mm. The news kind of peaked at about the 30th of September. So basically, as you probably guessed, HBO, Home Box Office, who yep. develop um, Westworld, Game of Thrones, The Wire, are developing a new Watchmen show, which is headed by a man called Damien Lindendorf. Um, so he co-wrote the new Star Treks, okay. Um, okay, that, 1 yeah, and 2, Such so Darkness. Yeah. Um, 
He also showrunned um, Lost for a little bit. Oh, wow. Okay. He created Red War Z and just recently finished up a film, um, sorry, not a film, a TV show called The Leftovers, which was on HBO, yeah. which wrapped up it, its third season to massive universal critical acclaim. Wow. Like 98 on Metacritic. Cute. So, what's happened? This is the news so far. Okay. So, he, HBO has ordered a pilot for it, so they've ordered additional scripts and future episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're currently writing the pilot script, and they're also writing additional scripts and episodes for that. So there's no casting announcements. Oh, yet. okay. So this is super early news. Well, I'm oh, sorry. In yeah, terms of production, con- it's, 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 it's. Is it even really a concept right now? It's just like it is we should do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. So they've it, the whole idea of Watchmen being a TV show has been pondered for years. Zack Snyder was going to do something in about 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm. Damien Lindoff has written the pilot. He's just developing it with his writer's room and developing yep. the greatest yeah. story and whatnot. Um, so what I'm pretty excited about this is that, first off, Watchmen's becoming a TV show. I think that's a... Might do a bit more justice. Yeah, interesting medium for the actual um, graphic novel. It's interesting you said that. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, because um, I don't know. What do we think of the film, first off? I enjoyed it, but yeah. I, I wanted more. Enjoyed okay. it. I wanted I, more depth. I yeah. really loved the Watchmen film. Okay. I, um, that kind of... Uh, Zack Snyder's visual style mixed yeah. with that kind of mm. alternate history eighties yeah. feel. Yeah. Um, I also think one of its one of its big criticisms is that especially towards the end of the movie, it changes the kind of like the main uh, mm. vehicle yeah. of mm. what's happening. Which I think is fine. I they I feel they updated it in a way that would be more acceptable for a modern audience, especially an audience that hasn't read the original yeah, okay. material. Um I really love it. Mm. I am really hesitant about this TV show. Okay. Because so. I think for mainstream audiences, producing the story over a series of episodes would be better for them to digest because the yeah. book is filled with yeah. multiple subplots, um, which yes. are extremely mm. metaphorical, extremely um, heavy and dark in their subject matter, which is one of the main yeah. complaints of the film through critics we, and audiences is that it was too um, muddled to follow. Yeah, okay. When you look at all the characters in the movie, mm. it's at least three episodes per character that you could do yeah. you know, and give you a backstory on them. Mm. Especially Rorschach, which I know is Rorschach. one of your, Rorschach, which is one of your favorites, definitely one of my favorites. Mm, he was yeah. great. And, you could do a good three-story arc of him. But part of the thing that I think makes Watchmen such a great text originally is that it brings you in kind of partway through. Like, it's obviously the start of the main yeah. story that goes through, but it's past their heyday. Yeah. Like it's past their prime. And that's why I haven't actually, I don't know if you have, Zach, have you read the before Watchmen no, series? No, I just read the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Novel. And I, I haven't, and I don't want to mm. because I don't want to have some like yeah. extra information of like, that's yeah. why this character acted this way because there was this terrible, I was like, no, I don't want, I want them where they are. Mm-hmm. As, as you said, Zach, there's mm-hmm. lots of extra material in the book that mm. didn't make it to the movie which yep. gives yeah. you more of that background mm-hmm. but i think that's kind of where it's at but yeah i think this is good because you get your watchman again you know you get more of it and i i know you don't want something new and fresh and all of that but it's getting it out there and it's getting people interested in it. he's going to be very and, faithful yeah. to the source material yeah. he's um he's stated that and even his instagram post was of um some statue Relevant yeah. to the comic, I'm not owed yeah. too much on the graphic novel. The thing is, like though, that. like he might be faithful to it, 
But what if HBO goes, oh, this is making great money. We want you to do this or we want you to keep going. So, or H- like- I don't think HBO is that type of studio as well, though. Because yeah. wow. HBO, um, on the HBO home box and- office, they're yeah. essentially the premium TV on the market. But yeah. they still want to make money. They do. But- yeah, but then you look at Game of Thrones, they haven't really divulged too much from the no. source material at all. But- They've just- well, now they're actually beyond the source material. Yeah. 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 That's because George R. R. Mine hasn't, hasn't written. Hasn't yet. written yet. But yeah. sorry, he's given them cliff notes and everything. Yeah. Now, is this, tell me this, is the series going to be a limited run or is it going to be an ongoing series? Um, that hasn't been confirmed as of yet. Yep. Um, I think this is probably just go the standard 10 episodes for one season, as all okay. HBO shows kind of do. Um, I don't think it'll be a limited run, um, but that hasn't been confirmed as of yet. Because one thing that I was, when you brought this to my attention, I actually didn't have any idea about it at all. Yeah, okay. Um, and when I was discussing it, um, I was saying i think that i would be really excited if it was 12 episodes one issue of the original comic per episode okay done yeah because the th- put it this way look i'm like more watchmen great i'm all for that the thing that i'm afraid of is them taking it and wanting to try and take it further or run with it because as i said i think one of the greatest things is that it gives you this much information and that's what you work with and you're well, done what what if it works Great. I, like, as I said, I just don't, like, you know, they go through it and then they go, oh, okay, we, and finish the, the main story. Let's suddenly grab all the, like, before Watchmen, which the original, Look, like, Alan yeah. Moore, like, Alan Moore doesn't like a lot of things that get adapted of his. Or any of his work. Well, yeah, actually yeah. any of it. But he also said that he was really against the before Watchmen um, uh, comic series they did, which I, I do kind of sympathize. Like, mm. you've got this great series. Don't leave mess- it alone. Yeah. Well, look, I have, I do have some faith in Damien Lindoff. Um, yep. he's look, he's proved himself before as a great showrunner with The Leftovers. Not so much with Lost. I mean, good with Lost, but as the series ended, yeah. I feel like it was a bit. Look, this guy. I mean, his show, The Leftovers, only ran for three seasons because okay. HBO cancelled it after the third season. Yep. So going into the third season, they said this is your last season. Your ratings aren't doing well. Yeah. And the show started out as average. This is just off the Metacritic. So yep. sixty-five was a Metacritic for season one. Season two, 80, then season three, 98. So I feel like this guy will have respect in order, like he won't elongate it, I feel like. I feel like he'll have the responsibility in order to kind of yeah. wrap it up. I mean, also, it's on HBO, so that means that there is no restrictions in the terms of content shown, mm-hmm. which wasn't a problem with the original at all, um, with the film, but I feel yep. like um, I think that's just good for the show because if it was restricted to like Fox or something yeah. like that, it just wouldn't fit at all because it is a very dark and gritty comic with some, yeah. some I, pretty look, heavy adult themes. I would like nothing more than to be proven wrong and for yeah. this to be absolutely incredible. Yeah. I just, I'm just afraid that similar in the way that, you know, a, a movie starts gaining traction and suddenly producers come in and they're like, oh, we want you to cut out anything that's kind of like not going to be making us money and blah, blah, and all these kind of things. And you end up with films that could have been really good and end up, mm. their theatrical releases, releases end up being really average because okay. people meddled with it. Yep. And then, you know, you, you have to wait until the director's come, cut comes out to see yeah. what the film was actually supposed to be okay. like. Yeah. And I'm just afraid that, Definitely. you know, we're going to get there. And instead of telling the story the way Watchmen is told, which leaves lots of questions and ifs and maybes and I don't knows, to then going, oh, no, let's expand more and let's tell everything from this character's point of view or that. And look, I, like I, I really like the original text and I'm just... Yeah, you just, I'm afraid yeah, yeah. that it's going to be pulled apart. Okay. And that will actually detract from it, not add to it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So you and I will watch it, Zach, and we'll just let we Tyson will. know if it's in the Look, I, yeah, actually, 
Yeah, you watch it and then let me know. Okay. <laughs> that's my future, so. It's still mm. a while off. I reckon probably... Yeah, I don't think we're going to see that. Well, it's going to be writing now. Then. Or 2019, possibly, early. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like early 2019. And then Maybe by then end. we'll know yeah. some more. Yeah, but. and that means like quarter four would be Game yeah. of Thrones time for HBO. So yeah. Cool. Well, for me, we're going to yep. go to Disney. Nice, Lo- light-hearted finish. Lovely Disney. We're going to look at a movie called Coco, mm-hmm. which is an aspiring musical... I can't even read that word. Miguel? Miguel. Miguel. The main character. Miguel. Confronted with his family's ancient band of music, enters the land of the dead to work out the mystery. Mm. Behind so, the land of the dead, yeah. Yeah, behind, yep. behind the land of the dead. Which to me, I've watched the trailer, it looks like a really fun, yeah. heartwarming mm-hmm. journey that he's going to embark yeah. on. He goes with his... Per good, Pixar. Yeah, via Pixar, which is going to be done. He goes on this journey with his little dog, mm. obviously, mm-hmm. and they go well, into the land of the dead. So he's, he's seeing all these like dead people yeah. and stuff like that. And it sounds awful. But it's in that Disney yeah, spectrum, Disney. so it looks yeah. fun and exciting. Obviously, yeah. there's going to be some great songs yeah. and great music. And yeah, it looks Along awesome. that kind of Mexican yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, yes. that, that's yeah. why I don't have any of the cast, because I don't know a single person on that cast. Yeah. I'm mm. sorry, I don't know who these people are, so it, lo- it looks like a really new, fresh take from Disney. The animation looks fantastic as yeah, well. Yeah, it looks per, so just good. Pixar, they just... Exactly, yeah. and that, that's what I was going to say. Like, Pixar... No other. Always deliver. Yeah. Like, they... I know of someone who literally went out and bought up on mm. Blu-ray when Blu-rays were still a bit more expensive without having seen it just because he's like, it's Pixar. Yeah. I know it's going to be good. Yeah, exactly. And so look, I'm, actually, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, um, yeah. I mentioned in our uh, Comic-Con episode, episode three, that this was the only original story coming out of Disney from their D23 announcements. Yeah. Everything else was either based off a book or yeah. a reboot or mm, a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm mm. I'm really looking forward to this. I yeah. think it looks great. So yeah. Just just for some stats, Lee um Unrich, uh, Unrich um the director of the film, mm-hmm. the past he's directed Toy Story three. Huh. Um, that's what he directed for Pixar. He co-directed Finding Nemo, Monsters Inc., and Toy Story two. Boom. So okay. experienced um veteran. Also done some editing for various yeah. Pixar films. Definitely in uh, Disney, that's for sure. Yeah, so this guy knows what he's doing. He co-wrote yeah. the film as well. It definitely yeah. looks like it's going to be a fun time, especially with yeah. that whole Land of the Dead Mexican mm. theme. It looks like mm. it's going to be Did good. you guys see that Lots film? Lots of musical elements mm. as well, which I think yeah. will be Did you really see the fun. film The Book of Life by Guillermo del Toro? Animated film um, by DreamWorks Animation? No, I haven't actually. Okay, it starred like Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis. It was that kind of similar feel. Um, yep. It was Mexican kind of Land of yep. the Dead. With a really beautiful aesthetic um, in the way the yeah. animation was. So I honestly can't wait for the animation it looks. Yeah, it looks good. I, the first thing I think of when I see it is I think of Corpus Bride. Yeah. Which yeah. is obviously very different. Yeah, That's very, very jazzy different. blues yeah. based. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, the music's going to be sweet, eh? Yes, exactly. Be that awesome. very uh, Lots of that Spanish uh, flamenco. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Ooh. Flamenco and stuff like that. It'll be... Look, I'm really, really looking forward to this. Uh-huh. Um Partly, really, just because it's Pixar. Oh, <laughs> yes, of already, but anything Pixar, man, Pixar it's just, can do no yeah. wrong. Yeah, except for Cars two. I liked Cars no, two. Let's not get into. Oh, just wanted to yeah, let's not, let's not get into yeah, yeah, see, for me, yeah. I was like, except Toy Story three, and I watched Cars three the other day, so let's not get. <laughs> yeah, I felt that as well. Anyway, Coco looks really good. Really yes. good. Yeah. Um, I am very interested to see. Obviously, Pixar bring new animation styles with mm. every single movie. They're mm. pushing the boundary. Yeah. Um, even. Like, you know, I think with Monsters U, they uh, brought in a whole new lighting system, which was like redevelopment from the ground up. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see how this happens. Um, mm, Very excited. Very, very excited. Very excited. Very excited. Yes. 
That's all we got. Yeah, there we go. That's it. We got for this kind episode. Of a bit, but yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm cool with it. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, just to recap, we talked about uh, the Harry Potter film series. We talked about Napoleon Dynamite and the very unknown, the Middleman. We spoke a lot about Thor Ragnarok, which mm. is brilliant. Again, so you have good. to see it. It's so good. And then Time so Machine Forward. Marvel. We talked about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Dark comedy. Uh, the Watchmen HBO TV series and the upcoming Pixar Disney Coco. Pixar film mm. Coco. Mm. So please uh, let us know what you thought, what you think of the old stuff, what you think of what's coming out. We can be found on Twitter at SRTW Podcast. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, please leave us a rating and review yeah, on iTunes. On iTunes. Yeah. Tell us what you think of our podcast. Yes. Mm. Give us some feedback. Leave us questions. questions. Yeah, yeah everything. Definitely. We want to engage with you, the community. And the community. Yeah, right in. Please. Please yeah. come. Someone talk at us. And what will be on the next episode? <laughs> uh, the next episode, we are hopefully going to be talking about Justice League. Yes. For the present. That's right. Well, yes, for the good. present. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really hope that's good. So, yes, that, that'll be coming up soon. Um, and, yeah, until then. We promise then, it'll be in like a two week. Yeah. <laughs> we were just, we're people really were away on holidays and so figuring bad. out schedules and people yeah, had so, exams. So, we got blah, this blah, one blah. out within, <laughs> this one with a, ah, let me try it again. This one out within a week of the last one, but uh, we'll see how we go. Yeah, from there. too easy. All Good. Right. All right. Well, thank you for listening for us. Uh, I'm Tyson, and I'm Andrew, and I'm Zach, and uh, we'll see you next time on Screen Review Time Warp. Catch up. I love you. Goodbye.